Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. What if I told you we were living a part of history right now in the college football era? They will look back in the history books and say, remember that time where it was Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and they were just going head to head on the recruiting trail. They were going back and forth between the white lines. It's a special era. Like Ferris Bueller says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you just might miss it. I want to talk about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and the way they've gone back and forth over the last couple of years. Think that needs some more discussion. Welcome into the Hard Count, the people's program. For every single thing that you know and love about this beautiful sport, we're fired up to have you a part of this right now. We are live and living color, as we always are on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, right here on the On3 YouTube channel, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. Shout out to the podcast. Always got to do it, Nick. Shout out to the podcast, the back row of the concert. Whether you're on Apple or Spotify, we appreciate you rocking with us. Games are not being played. College football, the world as we know it, continues to turn. A lot to unpack within this. The state of the Big Ten, I think, deserves a closer look. I'm telling you, there's a lot of new blood within that conference right now. Pretty soon, there won't be divisions within that conference. I think we should take a look at the 2023 picture within that Big Ten Conference. I think it's very fascinating and a little bit more open than you might think it is. Ohio State, Michigan, yes, sure, 100%. Got to talk about them, but might there be one, maybe two more players in that conference race? Think it deserves some discussion. How about Mike Norvell, man? Getting a bag. Getting an absolute bag down there in Tallahassee. Very much so deserved by him. Good for the people in Tallahassee paying their guy. Suits and ties shouting out, pay the guys, man. Good for Mike Norvell. Going to tell you our thoughts on that one. 
that's more than, than what meets the eye right there. This is more than just about 2023, to be honest with you. Then the Auburn quarterback room, the good folks in Auburn, Alabama, went shopping for a quarterback during the portal cycle, the first portal window, and would you know it came up empty-handed? So what do they have in-house right now? At Auburn, And what could the future hold for them as we move forward into the spring and into the fall? What can you expect from that quarterback room? Going to take complete inventory of that room down there at Auburn. So fired up to have you along for the ride, man. I, they're not playing games right now, but the juices are flowing. The caffeine intake is high. Nick Brake and I vibing out before the show. The vibes are good over here. We're very glad to have you part of this. We cannot waste any more time. Let's get after it. David Pollock at halftime of the national championship game. The game wasn't close, to be fair to David Pollock, but started riffing a little bit about where Georgia stood in the college football landscape as it pertained to the rest of the field. Now, David Pollock went to Georgia to provide some more context, but he said what everybody was thinking. Georgia has now taken the torch across the college football landscape. They, they now have the throne. They've got the crown down there in Athens. Went back to back, but would you know who is sitting next to him on the desk? A1 Nick Saban. Obviously the greatest of all time, head coach at Alabama. And you could just tell that there was a, a certain emotion that invoked within Nick Saban. And it wasn't obvious, it wasn't something that appeared on his face, but you could tell that the GOAT took a mental note of that. Jotted it down, put it in his back pocket, I would imagine later to put on the bulletin board in Tuscaloosa. But I just think we need to take inventory of what's going on right now in college football. Because you have two of what I think will eventually be considered the greatest of all time in the coaching profession. In Nick Saban, obviously, who is already solidified as the GOAT. And maybe one of the up-and-comers, not one of the up-and-comers, that's not even the right verbiage to say. One of the best in the game, probably the best in the game right now if we're siloing the last two years in Kirby Smart. Because we'll look back on this thing. We'll look back on the history books and we'll sort of thumb through the pages and we'll stop at this section of the time where Kirby Smart and Nick Saban went back and forth. Because truthfully, we're at a crossroads in the sport right now. Georgia just went back to back. They got now. They are the king of the hill. However, not to be a victim of the moment or recency bias, but Alabama, the last five times they've played, Georgia and Bama, Bama's 4-1. and one. Now, obviously, that one was in the national title game in 2021, so, you know, sort of goes how it goes. But then you look back to the recruiting trail. And Alabama, over the last six years, has gone 4-2 and two against Georgia in terms of having a higher recruiting class. I believe over the last four years, they're 4-0. and oh. And I put this out on the social media page. Nick Saban right now is like J. Cole. And some of y'all will get this reference. If you don't, I'll explain it to you. J. Cole is famous for going what we call platinum with no features, meaning on all of his songs on his album, 2014, Forest Hills Drive, there was nobody else featured on the songs with J. Cole. All right, now Nick Saban just signed the number one recruiting class in all of the land. In all of the land. And guess what? He did it with no features. He did it with what is essentially no coordinators. Sean Palmer, one of, our, one of our designers, absolutely bodied this graphic. Look at that, man. That's Nick Saban. That's J. Cole. They're one and the same right now. Can't convince me otherwise. Nick Saban is operating at one of the most elite levels, still doing GOAT things. So, yes, Georgia has right now. Do not get it twisted. I am not here to rain on Georgia's parade by any stretch of the imagination. But Nick Saban, if you're going to count him out, shame on you.
Shame on you for not learning from history, from what he's been able to do over the course of an expanded period of time. He's got seven natties, y'all. There's a reason why he has seven natties. It's because he adapts to the game. I don't think he's done adapting. Okay, so really quickly, if you have not yet subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel, would love to have you a part of this program, a part of the party. We are live here right now, obviously, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern, lock in with us. Also, catch me on the socials, at Judy Piquel on Twitter, as well as on Instagram. So let's examine this a little bit closer. If Alabama were to win the national championship next year, how would we feel? What would be the assessment on Alabama? Well, the first is, the guess is they probably had to beat Georgia. Whether it was in the national title game, whether it was in Atlanta, whether it was in a semifinal game, you probably had to get through the dogs. I think the feeling is, hey man, Saban's still Saban. Bama's still Bama. Alabama and Nick Saban, they still got it. Because there's, there's sort of this perception that Nick Saban somehow has lost a step. Again, you know that us here on this program, we do not buy into that by any stretch of the imagination. And if they win another national title next season, I think you'd be reminded, oh yeah, Nick Saban is that coaching tree that Kirby Smart came from, that Jimbo Fisher came from, that Dan Lanning came from. I'm just telling you, man, Nick Saban is still that guy. And I think that if they were to do it next year, there's a very real possibility that we see Nick Saban ride off into the sunset. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that is a feeling held by some folks around that program. So again, take this in as much as possible. This is a special time in college football, but just imagine that feeling. If they win another national title, I'm not saying you think less of Georgia, but you become very quickly reminded of what Saban's done there at Alabama and kind of have that, oh, that's right. That's right. They have been the bully on the block. Yeah, the last two years are Georgia, but remember, Alabama still got it. That would be the feeling. Now, if Georgia were to go three in a row, needless to say, that would be historic. That would be, I guess, dynasty is the word you use. Even that feels like underselling it just a little bit. If Georgia wins the national championship next year, it would feel like their king of the hill moment. And make no mistake, they're already on top of the hill. It's already Georgia wearing the crown, singing the songs, drinking the Kool-Aid, all that. But if Georgia were to win three in a row, Georgia has that crown very squarely on their head. And guess what? They've probably kicked the competition down a few yards from even the top of that hill. Like it's Georgia and some real estate at the top. That would be the feeling. So... I just want to make sure that we have this proper assessment. We're at a crossroads right now. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Special moment in college football history. It's a special chapter in college football history. And I want to make sure we just appreciate that. Like Andy Bernard says, Cornell alum, more or less, I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old days before you actually left them. Right? Like that. I think we're in the good old days right now. And think about these other, these other rivalries we've experienced as, sport, as sports fans. I mean, Kobe versus LeBron, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, Larry Bird versus Magic. These are special rivalries. And I want to make sure, yes, we can, we can root for whichever side that we're rooting for, and that's fine. I think that's what makes sports so beautiful and why they are rivalries, because there's opposing sides. But make sure you appreciate it properly, because there will never be another Nick Saban. I venture to say there's probably not going to be another Kirby Smart. 
These two are cut from the same cloth, but they're the best in the game right now. We may never see another rivalry quite like this. There's mutual respect. There is elite culture within these programs. There's elite talent on both sides of the fence here. Like, this is a special thing that's happening right now in college football history. Make sure we soak it in. Now, here's the challenge, I think, going forward for these two teams next year. They're both starting over at quarterback, man. Bryce Young, gone to the league. Stetson Bennett, gone to the league. You wish them both the best in their professional careers. But here's the thing that I think maybe gets looked past just a little bit in this whole Saban versus Kirby conversation. Kirby Smart's won the last two, but if he were to win it next year, it would be his first time doing that without Stetson Bennett. Now, I'm not going to pretend that they won the first one because of Stetson Bennett. He did a lot of things well for them to win that year, but let's be real. That defense was generational. That defense was special, and Stetson Bennett did a good job but he took another step in 2022. They won in 2022 because of Stetson Bennett. Now, Nick Saban, he's done it with a variety of different quarterbacks. A.J. McCarron, Jacob Coker, Tua slash Jalen Hurts, depending on how you want to divvy that one up. Greg McElroy, who's crushing it on ESPN right now. He's done it with different quarterbacks. Kirby Smart's only done it with Stetson Bennett. Far be it from me to tell you Kirby can't do it, without Stetson Bennett, but I just think that's an interesting wrinkle in this whole conversation. So 2023, again, I believe it's a crossroads. You got two of the best in the game right now, absolutely. You have the greatest of all time in Nick Saban. You have Kirby Smart, who I believe could very easily be on the Mount Rushmore when this whole thing is said and done and be one of the GOATs. Can make a very strong argument for him being one of the GOATs right now, even though he's still got a lot left to coach, so I don't want to get too ahead of my skis there. But this era in college football, it's special, man. It's special. Do not wish it away. Do not get too caught up in one side of the rivalry that you're rooting for without appreciating the greatness that we are getting to witness right now, both between the white lines on the recruiting trail, going back and forth. Georgia right now has the number one class in the country in 2024 at the time of us being live. Bama had the number one class last year. It's a special thing, man. Enjoy it before it's gone. I hope we get to enjoy it a little bit longer. But I'm just saying, this is a special chapter. Got to make sure we soak it in accordingly. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, man, the best to ever do it. I'm just saying that right now. Nick Saban, absolutely, but Kirby Smart, historical. Now, I want to transition here a little bit and talking about another conference very close to a lot of our viewers' hearts in the Big Ten Conference. And there's a lot of excitement in-house right now in Big Ten country. You got Ohio State, you got Michigan. We'll talk about them in a second. But think about all the new blood right now. Wisconsin and Luke Fickle. Matt Rule at Nebraska. Mel Tucker isn't new at Michigan State, but it's hard to imagine they're going to stay down. P.J. Fleck eats his weedings, I'm, I'm sure, with a monster energy drink instead of milk in the morning. Like, There's a lot of excitement around this conference, deservedly so. I think it's a little bit more open than we want to acknowledge it. I think it's a little bit more open than some people want to believe that it is. I just mentioned those teams. I think there's four that have a legitimate shot to win the conference in 2023. Ohio State is probably the most obvious answer. The reason being, they have the most talented roster. Like on signing day, if you're just going to go ahead and go down the, the list and see who has the most guys with stars next to their name and all that, Ohio State's going to blow that out of the water. Brian Hartline 
going to be the offensive coordinator there this coming season, recruits skill players pretty much better than anybody else in the game. Here's my question for Ohio State. If they can win the Big Ten Conference, which they haven't done the last two seasons, mind you, our friends in Columbus, they know that. That's something on their mind. That's on their mental. How would they get to doing that? Well, you got to beat Michigan. How do you beat Michigan? Can they take another step in terms of toughness in 2023? I said this before. I think this, you know, I think there's two things that can be true here. Ohio State in 2022 was not tough enough to beat Michigan. However, in 2021 to 2022, you could say Ohio State got tougher in the trenches. And when I say got tougher, you know exactly what I mean. When it comes to third and three against Michigan in the fourth quarter, can you be fundamentally sound, both mentally and physically, and play the run effectively? Like, that's really what it comes down to two years in a row. Ohio State played really well in the first half this year. We got to be there, actually, which was an absolute blast. But in the second half, the dam broke, and that's how it felt. I know some of that's going to be schematic busts, and I understand that. We can talk about that another time. But the reality is mental toughness is a part of this game, too. And Michigan felt like they were the more mentally tough team, especially in the second half of that game. Can they take the next step in terms of toughness in Columbus? The second question is, you're going to have a five-star quarterback under center for you. C.J. Stroud gone to the NFL. You can't replace a C.J. Stroud. That's just not possible. But can you keep up quota in terms of production? You're going to have an embarrassment of riches around you. Trevion Henderson. Mayan Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think has a very real conversation to be the best player in the country in 2023. And you got a five-star, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, two really good options. Whoever it is, though, can you keep pace with this offense? Because you're getting the keys to a Ferrari. We say it a lot around here. You know, we love our car analogies. Getting the keys to a Ferrari. Don't crash the car, my man. Do not crash the car. That's all you got to do. Because you're going to have a better vehicle than the majority of your competition. Do not crash the car. And really kick it into overdrive against Michigan. So Ohio State, pressure bursts pipes. It also makes diamonds. Which way are you going to side if you're Ohio State? Because we all know the pressure is enormously high right now at Ohio State. The standard is just different than it is anywhere else in the country at Ohio State. Win national titles, win the Big Ten, beat Michigan. All right? Not necessarily in that order if you're picking up what I'm putting down. But Ohio State, absolutely one of the teams to watch. One of the teams that obviously can win the Big Ten in 2023, among others. More on that in just a second. If you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you all a part of this operation, okay? The People's Program. Also, follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, at J.D. Piquel. Put a little story out before the show, Nick, did we? And uh, I'm just saying, we were vibing. A little behind-the-scenes look at what we got going before the live show gets going. So I'm just saying, you want to watch that on Instagram, Stays up for, what, 24 hours? Do the stories? Follow me there. We have a good time there. Michigan is back-to-back Big Ten champs. Michigan's the bully on the block, and here's the reality. When is the bully the most dangerous? Like, when does that bully have the best edge to them? I'll tell you this right now. When they've bullied a few of the people on the block, when they have control of the block. Because you can be a bully on the block, but still not run the block. Right now, Michigan runs the block. You hear what I'm saying here? Michigan has proven to themselves multiple times now with different quarterbacks, different coordinators, different personnel, that they are who they think they are. 
to quote Dennis Green. They are who they think they are. And I'm paraphrasing there a little bit. It's not exactly the quote, but you hear what I'm saying here. I don't think there will be any drop-off without Matt Weiss. I think Sharon Moore is one of the best offensive coaches in the game right now. Love the way that he controls that offensive line and the way that they have been a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line two seasons in a row. They have an identity about themselves, and it is bully ball. It is we're going to move you against your will. Our big human beings will move your big human beings, and we will just have our way. That's the reality. Now, they've got a lot of key pieces coming back. Blake Corum. Coming back another year. Cornelius Johnson, coming back another year. On the defensive side, Mike Sanders still coming back another year. The goal is to win a national title. They've got the Big Ten. Two years in a row, they've got the Big Ten. They've been there, done that. They were happy to make the college football playoff the first year. They did it. This past year, I feel like the little one slipped through their fingers against TCU. That's the reality. The goal is national championship or bust. But in order to do that, I believe winning the Big Ten feels like the first step in 2023. Not saying it has to be done. Ohio State, let's be real, if they had made that field goal against Georgia, I think they handled TCU, but for Michigan, run it back again for a third time, be the blow on the block for a third time. J.J. McCarthy take the next step again. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous. I don't know what the early line is, if they're favored or not. I would imagine there will be some sort of smoke around them being the favorite to win the Big Ten Conference again. But Michigan, absolutely a team that can win the whole deal. And they want to do more than just win the whole deal. They want to win the whole national deal. So that's Michigan for you. How about Penn State? What do you think about Penn State when I talk about them in the context of winning the Big Ten title? Because again, we said it, it's a little bit more of an open conference than I think some people want to assume. Ohio State, they're replacing their quarterback. Michigan, they lose some key pieces, bring a lot back, but they lose some key pieces. They lose one of their offensive coordinators. You know how I feel about that. But if you were to talk it out on paper, there is a case to be made for the Big Ten being a little bit more open than it has in the past. And for Penn State, you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, we lose Sean Clifford, who is a legend at State College. No Sean Clifford slander will be tolerated on this program. However, Drew Aller, it's going to get the keys to the offense next year. And how do I say this correctly? Sean Clifford is one of the best Penn State quarterbacks to ever come through there. At the exact same time, Drew Aller has more physical tools, more God-given ability than Sean Clifford had. So that's the reason why Penn State fans are excited. They say, hey, we, from a talent perspective, upgrade at quarterback. Oh, by the way, a lot of our other top talent, it's going to get a whole other offseason in the program. And to use Charles Powers' verbiage, and he is the director of scouting and rankings here at On3, so he knows these guys and their skills inside and out. Nick Singleton, one of the best in the country. These guys are going to cycle up. Nick Singleton, best in the country, like I just said. Catron uh, Allen, one of the best in the country. He's going to cycle up. Uh, Abdul Carter, freakish linebacker for Penn State. Where's number 11? They don't just hand out the double ones to anybody at Penn State. He's wearing that on defense as a linebacker. So that should tell you I need to know about him. The thing for them is they've been knocking on the door here for a minute. And then last year, they were sort of pounded on the door. I mean, lost to Ohio State and Michigan. Had a really solid shot at half in both those games. This coming season, they are taking a battering ram. They are throwing the entirety of their mass into that door. And they are absolutely bent on breaking it down this time around. 
Like that, it, that is the goal for a Penn State. Now, here's where you need to look out. If Penn State beats Michigan or Ohio State, they have a pulse in the Big Ten. You don't need to beat both of them, but if you beat one of them, you don't control your own destiny, but it leaves the door open just a little bit. It doesn't knock the door down, but it does provide a little bit of a crack, and that's a dangerous thing to give this Penn State roster some hope. They've got a lot of talent, like I already said, and with Drew Aller, that's kind of where your money rides. How much better does he allow your team to be? Doesn't have the experience of Sean Clifford, obviously. Put in a really solid 36-year career at Penn State. But Drew Aller, how much better is he able to make you from just a vertical pass game standpoint to compliment Nick Singleton? So that's Penn State for you. I'm telling you, they're, they're knocking on the door. They've been on the doorstep for a minute. But, uh, I mean, they may just knock that thing down this coming season with the way the Penn, the, the, the way that Penn State is set up and the way the Big Ten is set up. Here's the last thing we want to talk about. I told you there's four teams that I think have a legitimate shot to win the whole conference. And this, to me, this team is the most mysterious. It's Wisconsin. The Luke Fickle Wisconsin Badgers. The Phil Longo offensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers. The Tanner Mordecai-led Wisconsin Badgers. Wisconsin, to me, is a lot like that kid that comes back from summer vacation when school gets back into session and they've sort of reinvented themselves, right? They've been working out a little bit, look a little bit bigger. Muscles a little bit bigger. Get a new hairstyle, maybe. So you recognize them. You know who they are, but they've got a different edge to them. They've reinvented themselves. So all of a sudden, people want to find out what is different about this individual. What is different about this new kid? And the wrong person messes with them. The wrong person picks a fight. And turns out, that kid all summer, he was lifting weights and doing karate. And you just got to deal with the consequences of it. Because that's Wisconsin. We've known they were sturdy. We've known they were tough. But now, they potentially could add a really explosive offensive system. Phil Longo in North Carolina and Drake May, they were averaging around 30 points a game last year. Tanner Mordecai, one of the sneakiest quarterbacks in this transfer portal cycle coming from SMU. They've got some talent now. They've got some tools here at positions that they haven't always had at Wisconsin. So I'm just saying, we don't know enough about them. We're looking at this thing on paper. They have a shot. I'm just saying, Wisconsin has a shot to ruin someone's day. And if they end up making it to the Big Ten championship, I wouldn't count them out. I would never count a Luke Fickle coach team out. That's just the reality of it. So Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, all I believe have very legitimate chances to win the Big Ten title. Now, Wisconsin, being in the Big Ten West, if they make it to Indy, look out. I'm just saying that. If they make it to Indy, keep an eye on them. First year under Luke Fickle, but they've revamped via the portal at receiver and at quarterback, new offense. I'm telling you, man, it's, it sounds strange to say, but the new kid is back from summer vacation, looks stronger, got a different edge to him, and he knows karate. So... God bless whoever wants to mess with Wisconsin. All right, before we transition to this next topic, Mike Norvell got paid. Now, the reason why I want to take a second before we transition here, before our show, I went to Publix. Not uncommon. Go and get some gum, get some pretzels. Got the AirPods in, right? We're kind of getting locked in, getting dialed in for the show because, you know, we're about to go on air. We're about to be live. There's no redos when you're live, so we got to be locked in. 
and I'm thinking about what we're going to say, and I'm starting to check out. Got the honey mustard pretzels, got some tape, got a Sharpie, got some gum. Like I said, we're locked in. I scan everything at Publix. Y'all, I, I forgot to pay. Like it was self-checkout. I scanned everything. I start walking out, and I realize like halfway out the store, I'm like, I didn't pay for any of this. This, this is theft right now. Thankfully, the, the moral compass is still true north. Went back, paid for it. But I'm just telling you, that's how dialed in we were before this. That's how dialed in we were. Now, unfortunately for me, Mike Norvell was not on the scene. Otherwise, he probably could have just paid for it. He probably could have just thrown a couple dollars with his new contract and said, hey, don't worry about him. He's good. Mike Norvell got a bag from Florida State. Got extended through 2029. He was making $4.5 million a year last year. Going to make right around $8 million going forward per a year. And I applaud Florida State so much for this because they locked down the guy who built their program. Again, they, they locked down the guy who built their program, not a program. And you hear the saying, teach a man, or what is it? Catch a man to fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life, whatever it is. You just extended the guy who rebuilt the fishing pole. Nobody wants to talk about that guy who rebuilt the whole fishing pole. That's Mike Norvell. Because when he took over Florida State, they were not in a good position to succeed. It's a, it's a broken program. It's a broken operation. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But this is impressive to me, and this is a lot of awareness by Florida State, because there is so, there, there, there's only so many coaches in college football that can win. I assure you, there is even less that can build a program. That is Mike Norvell. He has built Florida State. He didn't just go there and, and coach them and start winning. He rebuilt the whole operation from the ground up. He has earned this money. Also want to say this. They're going to be good in 2023. Okay, we all understand that. Florida State is going to be a good team in 2023. This extension, it's not just about 2023. Because remember what's, what's coming here in the near future. What is that? The expanded playoff. The 12-team playoff. And Florida State locked down their leader, for the foreseeable future through 2029. So when that expanded playoff gets here, according to this document, according to this contract, Mike Norvell will be in control. I think it shows a lot of awareness, a lot of awareness by Florida State. If you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you all part of this. The People's Program, every single thing that you and I know and love about this beautiful sport, we talk about it here every single day. Live on Tuesdays, live on Thursdays. Also, find me on social media at JD Piquel on both Twitter and on Instagram. I said it when Mike Norvell took over this operation. It was broken. It was broken from a roster standpoint. Yes, they didn't have the talent necessary to succeed. From a culture standpoint, they didn't have the, the processes in place. They didn't have the approach in place to be successful long term. He also took it over during covid when basically you weren't allowed to do anything and everyone was kind of coaching left-handed. Try doing that, but then being your first year in the saddle. In 2020, they go three and six. In 2021, they miss a bowl game. They go five and seven. Again, you're building, you're building, you're building. In 2022, the Death Star is a little more operational. You win 10 games. Good Florida State saying, we're going to invest in this stock now because we understand this could just be the tip of the iceberg. This whole thing may boom. The roster for Mike Norvell, when he got it, was like a broken car. Someone hands you an old beat-up Volvo, and they say, go drive, man. Go take that thing somewhere else. Go take it off the lot. Go the distance. You and I both know that's not 
possible. So what do you do when you have a car that doesn't work and you have to get from A to B? You go and get new parts. And that's what Mike Norvell has done via the transfer portal. Everyone wants to talk about recruiting the state of Florida, and we're going to talk about that too, but Mike Norvell built this thing. He retooled this whole thing with the portal. And there's been success story after success story. Jordan Travis transferred in. Jaheim Bell is going to transfer in. Ventral Cypress, one of the top players in the transfer portal, is going to transfer in. They've got a lot of pieces that have come there and be successful. Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, Jared Verse. Like we go down the line here, and there's guys that have transferred from one situation to Tallahassee and found success. And Mike Norvell deserves a ton of credit for putting those talented players from the portal in position to succeed. It's not easy because you got to find the right parts. You can't just plug and play any part. It's got to be the right part for your system, for your program, for your car. And they have done that effectively, and they're continuing to do it going forward because the roster was broken. You had to go and get parts. Now, it wasn't just a copy-paste situation. Like Everyone talks about USC and how they used the portal and overhauled their roster. To be real with you, a lot of that, I don't want to say a lot of that, some of the key pieces, the most important piece for USC was a copy-and-paste from Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, taking Caleb Williams to Los Angeles. You win a Heisman Trophy. Life is good. Okay, so that wasn't what Mike Norvell did. Had to be a little bit more meticulous than that. Now, internally, like I said, they weren't in a competitive place. They did not have the right culture in place. And I don't want to pretend that I'm behind closed doors in Tallahassee. To be honest with you, I don't have any clearance, I believe, in Tallahassee, Florida, for the time being. Florida State, we'd love to come and take a visit. Let us know. But when I listen to him speak about his football program and about the way that he operates and about what he expects from his team and what they focus on. He reminds me of Kirby Smart. I'm not saying Mike Norvell's Kirby Smart. Do not misunderstand me when I say that. But I would say that Mike Norvell focuses on the right things, internal over external. We focus on us. We don't worry about you. We worry about what we do in-house when we show up on game day. If we've done our process effectively at an elite level, we will dominate on Saturdays. That's the same thing Kirby Smart talks about, the same thing Nick Saban talks about. Competition is paramount, right? Competition is the lifeblood of success a lot of times, but competition starts internally. You compete as hard as possible in-house, and then when you get to the field, should be a lot easier. That's what they preach at Tallahassee. That's what they preach at Florida State, and I think that's a very good sign for them going forward. You can have talent, but if you don't have culture, it's what makes the whole thing go. It's what makes the whole car go. Now, you locked in your coach for good, for good at least until 2029. Here's the potential impact. You had a good 2022. You have your coach there for a longer period of time. If you sprinkle in what they're supposed to do in 2023, this roster could boom on the recruiting trail. This program could boom on the recruiting trail because of the talent that's available in the state of Florida and because of all the guys that are now going to take a second look at Florida State and say, huh, I was thinking about X school, Y school. Maybe I was thinking about another in-state school. And you know what? Florida State's doing some really good things right now. They're winning a lot. They're running this state. I at least want to take a second look at how they're developing their players. I want to take a second look at what they're doing on Saturday afternoons. That's what Florida State is flirting with right now. Like I said, a good 2023 could be the spark that sets off the explosives on the recruiting trail. Right now, they're outside the top 10. 
or I guess they finished outside the top 10 more or less than 2023 cycle. I would not expect that to be the case going forward if they do what they're capable of in 2023. Now, with more money comes more pressure for Mike Norvell. More money, more problems. They paid for the success that he achieved in 2022. That's, that's a true statement. But at the exact same time, I have a hard time imagining that this money is going to be allocated just towards more 10-win seasons. Like, there's a piece of this contract, there's a piece of that $8 million a year annually that I think has uh, some expectations sprinkled in there. They expect to win national championships. I want to take you back really quick. When Willie Taggart was fired, what was the quote that stuck out? We needed to make a change. There was no sense in waiting. There was no advantage in waiting. Yeah, that was all said. But what was said very, very clearly by the AD at Florida State was we expect to win national championships, to get back to the standard of Florida State football. They're happy with 10 wins. I'm sure you're happy with 10 wins in Tallahassee, but that's not what Mike Norvell is getting extended for. He's getting extended to compete for national titles. So good Florida State locking down their guy, locking down not just a winner, but a program builder. Florida State, before he got there, they were broken. He had to build this thing from the ground up. Now the roster is slowly getting back to a place where they can be competitive consistently, not just using the portal. They've used the portal a lot, but they're going to really boom here in the near future if the recruiting can pick up, and recruiting, I think, will pick up if they do what they're capable of in 2023. So for Florida State, Mike Norvell getting a bag, getting the bag he deserved. But this is just the beginning for Mike Norvell. The pressure starts now. But you always love to see people get raises, man, any profession. Any profession, someone gets a raise, you're just happy for him. We're happy for Mike Norvell here on this program. We got a lot of y'all Florida State fans that have joined us over the course of the year. Let me know in the live chat right now. Let me know in the YouTube chat if you believe this was well-deserved. Or maybe a better question is, what do you expect from him going forward now? What is the standard in Tallahassee? Maybe it's something we talk about here in a future live show. Appreciate everyone tuned in with us live right now. Again, I... Shout out to the podcast, man. Shout, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but y'all have been crushing it statistically on the podcast. And there's no reason for y'all to do that. Our numbers right now are better in the podcast than they were during the season. We have the best audience, I believe, in the college football media industry in our field. Like, y'all are lifers, diehards. We appreciate you for that. And I promise you, we're going to hold it down on our end. Y'all keep holding it down on your end. Uh, if you're live right now, would also appreciate you Throwing us a little thumbs up, like the video. Helps us out tremendously. How about the Auburn quarterback room? What do we make of the Auburn quarterback room right now? It's a very unique situation because it's set up to be a really quarterback-friendly staff. You got Hugh Freeze and his history of being a quarterback guru and what he did with Malik Willis at Liberty and turn him into an NFL draft pick. But how about Philip Montgomery? OC over there at Auburn. Think about the quarterbacks that he's worked with. It's a pretty impressive resume. Robert Griffin III, yeah, won a Heisman Trophy, and now he's pretty good on TV too. Nick Florence, Kevin Cobb at Houston, Case Keenum, a little blast from the past there when he was at Houston. Bryce Petty, when he was at Baylor, and it felt like Baylor was scoring like 60 points a game. He's worked with a lot of pretty elite quarterbacks. 
And what I think is encouraging when you look at his resume, and I'm talking about, you know, Bryce Petty versus RG3 and Case Keenum versus Nick Florence. Like, there's a lot of different flavors of quarterback here in terms of their play style. Like, RG3, great thrower of the football, also ran the ball really well, was a freaking track star. Case Keenum, a little more of a pocket passer, a little more of an air raid feel to him. Great cooks, people that make great meals, they can do it with any ingredients. And that's what I think you're getting in Philip Montgomery. And that's what you're going to have to do going forward because the goal right now is to max out what you have in-house. The goal is to max out the skill set of a Robbie Ashford, of a potentially TJ Finley. We'll talk about that more in a second. But good bosses, they play to your strengths. And that's what Philip Montgomery has a history of doing with his quarterbacks, playing to their strengths. Hey, you throw a great deep ball, guess what? We're going to let you uncork it. We're going to run the football, get those safeties up. We're going to go deep for you. Hey, you're a great athlete. We're going to get you in space and let you do what you do. I'm not trying to put a saddle on a wild horse. RG3, you get around the edge, you run, my man. Philip Montgomery, good boss. They've got some things in the house I want to talk about on this roster already. Like I said, Robbie Ashford, TJ Finley, Holden Griner, Hank Brown from Lipscomb Academy, going to be a true freshman. Shout out Lipscomb Academy one time. I want to talk about that in just a second. If you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you a part of this operation. College football does not stop, neither do we. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Pakel on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Would love to hear from y'all there. Great medium for us to interact with y'all when we're off the year. So what do you got in the house? Holden Griner, four-star quarterback. Got a red shirt. A lot of talent there, but it, not, not really a sample size to go off of from an on-field perspective. Okay, so you got that. You got Hank Brown, who was recruited by Hugh Freeze. They are really high on Hank Brown for what he's going to be in the future, but it's, it's sort of that conversation, the future at Auburn. So right now, I think you look pretty closely at the Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley situation. And Robbie Ashford, a lot of tools, a lot of talent. Didn't knock it out of the park last year, but maybe in this new system, maybe with this new coaching staff, he flourishes a little bit. It's never been a matter of, does he have the ability? It's, can he put it together? Can he mesh with the offense and be consistent? He was like sub 50% completion percentage last year. I understand he was hurt. I understand. Some of that is not necessarily fair criticism, but... I need you to be efficient. Philip Montgomery said, we need to be efficient distributors of the football. So for Robbie Ashford, that's the next step, I think. But I'm excited about what he could be for Auburn with this staff. My attention for this segment, I think, lies with TJ Finley. 12 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on his career at Auburn. Was the starter last year out of camp. And TJ Finley, a lot of ability, like big arm, good athlete, but there's a sample size there. And when people show you who they are, when people tell you who they are, you got to believe them. TJ Finley has shown you who he is at Auburn. He's shown you what he can do at Auburn. I don't know that we need to keep revisiting this. And that sounds a little bit harsh. It probably is a little bit harsh. I'm not here to dunk on TJ Finley, but if you talk about success in 2023, I think you likely see him transferring out after the spring. That's just my feel on it. I would love to be wrong. I pull for TJ Finley. I think he's gotten a lot of criticism that's not warranted, but still, that production to me 
is not under a small sample size. It's under a reasonably large sample size at Auburn. So I think Robbie Ashford is who you look to as QB1 through spring going forward. If TJ Finley can push him, great. But the feel is around Auburn that, that TJ Finley will eventually jump in the portal post-spring. Now, if you remember correctly, the Auburn Tigers also went shopping in the portal as well. There was a feel there for a while that it was going to be Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, that he was going to be the guy at Auburn, that he was going to be your quarterback this coming year. And Auburn's already told us how they feel about their quarterback room. For those of y'all that know what I'm talking about. Like going in and going to the portal for a, a transfer quarterback is a lot like shopping for a fridge, man. You don't just go shop for a fridge for fun. If you see me at Home Depot, you see me at Lowe's, and I'm looking at the fridges, I'm not just looking at the fridges for my own health or because I enjoy just perusing. Same thing with transfer quarterbacks. If you are in the portal, there is smoke around you taking a transfer quarterback. You are there to buy. You are there to take a transfer quarterback because you believe that at home within your program, your fridge, you have questions about. Now, I don't know that you have any broken fridges, at Auburn, Alabama. I mean, Robbie Asher, I think, is serviceable. I told you, I think he could be an eight-game winner, maybe nine-game winner with the right system around him, and the playmakers are kind of a question mark. But you hear what I'm saying. Auburn was looking for a quarterback. When you're looking for a quarterback, when you're looking for a fridge, you are there to buy, all right? You are there to acquire a quarterback. Now, I believe that they will take a quarterback post-spring. To what degree, to what level of talent do they bring in? We'll see. We'll see. I have a hard time believing they have anybody that they're going to find post-spring that could be their starter game one, but you add some security, you add some depth, and at the very least, you add someone that can push the room from a competition standpoint because that's what it's going to be. If TJ Finley does indeed transfer out, you have one individual with real game experience in Robbie Ashford. And they've done a lot through the portal, has Auburn. They've done a lot to retool that roster and help that defense. And I think they're going to do more post-spring as well. But if you're going to retool the roster to the degree you have, I think you want somebody more established driving the car, if you hear what I'm saying here. So that's what I feel about Auburn right now. That's what I feel about the quarterback room. I'm saying, man, you don't go and shop for a fridge for fun. You don't go and shop for a transfer portal quarterback for fun. You do it because there is a need. You do it because there is some sort of insecurity around that position group. So for Auburn, we'll keep an eye on that. I promise you we'll talk about it through the spring. We'll have some spring intel for you. Go get a membership at Auburn Live. Justin Hokinson and the guys holding it down on that site. Our Auburn on three site, they do a phenomenal job. But the Auburn quarterback room, I think it's something to watch going forward. So that's how we feel about Auburn. Man, I'm telling you, spring football is almost... I mean, do y'all realize how close spring football is? Spring football is right around the corner. I think some programs start in March. I think a lot of programs start in March. Spring games in April. April 15th, 22nd, and the 8th are all pretty big weekends. It's going to be fun, man. Football, I'm telling you, college football, a year-round event. When they play games, you get a lot of other eyeballs on the sport but it's it's worth watching year round and we're thankful that it is because it's the reason why we have a job again shout out to the podcast shout out to everybody tuned in live on the youtube right now we appreciate y'all we love y'all put a, a call to action out on my twitter as we always do and said i want to hear from y'all drop your questions for the live show 
again, on my Twitter page, at J.D. Pacal, we will routinely put out that call to action because we are the people's program. We would not be the people's program if we did not involve the people into the program. So now, bringing on the people's producer, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Bills Mafia media member, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury recruit, what am I missing? Uh, Pride of Owensboro, Kentucky. Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, JD, man? How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm, I'm doing phenomenal. I think your, your intro grows each time. I need to switch it up, give you some more seasoning, and get you some more titles. But, uh, man, I'm doing, I'm doing great. How is this? What day is it? Thursday? It's Thursday, okay. February 9th, man. Um, we're getting right through the winter. Beautiful. Spring ball is coming, my friend. And you're, you're anti-winter. You're, you're anti-January, rather. Is that correct? I'm anti-January. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just hate the short days. I, I like the sun, and we don't get the sun by the time we leave the studio, like uh, time we leave the headquarters, about, about dark. So That's so true. We're getting there. We're getting That's to so the That's so true. End, We're almost there. Almost there to spring football. Mm-hmm. I don't think the groundhog saw his shadow, but I've never really messed with the groundhog to begin with. But Never uh, trust a groundhog. Never trust a groundhog, man. That's what, that's what the streets are saying, yeah. at least. What, uh, what are the good people saying on the Twitter sphere today, Nick? Uh, well, first question coming from at the rambling simp. Um, what's your thought on Hugh Freeze saying he judge, judges athleticism uh, based on the skinniness of the ankle? I'd have to see this quote somewhere, JD. Nick, is this is this your burner? Is uh, no, this I'm your not the rambling, the rambling simp. simp. I think, dude, I don't know. People have been calling you a simp. <laughs> I haven't known you to ramble, but I'm just saying, if the boot fits, like, no judgment here. I mean, hey. No, no judgment fits. there. No, I uh, wish I was Stump. That's, that's, that's an awesome a, name. R- rambling Stump, Rambling Simp. I mean. Stump McDowell. I love it. Awesome. Shout out Stump McDowell. Know, Shout man. out Rambling Simp. Good, in, good fact, in fact, not Nick Brakesburner is what we have confirmed. So this is something that came from, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her name. The lady who was, I believe, the academic counselor in season one and two of Last Chance U. She talked about Hugh Freeze when he would come through their junior college and come through and look at players. He would want to see the circumference of the ankles. And if you have skinny ankles, that was apparently a good thing. Well, in the football world, I can confirm that is a positive sign. There's a couple of physical traits that you look for that are a little bit quirky within the scouting world and small ankles, skinny ankles rather, lends itself to being able to bend effectively especially if you're a bigger guy. Like if you are an offensive lineman and skinny ankles, it's a good thing. It means that you can get up and under a block. It means that those ankles aren't going to cave in on you. You're going to have an ankle injury. So believe it or not, that's a real thing. Also with bend, if you're an edge defender, you're coming hot off the edge, you're able to get low, put some pressure on those ankles and get around the edge effectively. Like it sounds bizarre. It sounds weird. I think that question was like halfway asked as a joke, but that is a real thing from a real story. And people in the football world will tell you as much. So Skinny ankles, man. Skinny ankles is what pays the bills in college football, Nick. I'm telling you, brother. I'm telling you. Nick, you got skinny ankles or what kind of ankles do you have? I have remarkably, like, skinny ankles. I can fit, just, you know, any 50 socks on my, my legs. In Stop. Me. 50 socks? Probably. I mean, I haven't tried it. I don't own 50 socks. But, uh, yeah, I probably could. Hey, uh, J.D., speaking that. of the chat, um, Kay is back. J.D., I need you to talk more about Rutgers. Kay, um, <laughs> a, I went to high school. Uh, with a now Rutgers quarterback, Gavin Wimsett. So we're big Scarlet Knight fans here in the hard count. So uh, yeah, that's Rutgers. fair. I mean, birthplace of college football. Mm-hmm. What the people want, we'll give them. So we'll ruminate on some Rusker, on some uh, Rutgers content, and we'll we'll get back to that. But Kay, appreciate you tuning in. A, a regular within the show is Kay. So absolutely, we try and we try and accommodate our regulars. But that's a great that's absolutely. a great food for thought. 
Yeah, and, I, and you know, I can't say any other uh, Big Ten teams have a former Owensboro High School quarterback, so I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. It. Um, Interesting. At Noel Nation 13, what's your opinion on the ACC changing its format, J.D.? It's curious. Um, I don't say curious in the sense of you wonder why it's happening, but for those of you that don't know, the ACC is doing away with divisions. So much like you saw in the Pac-12 this year, like we've seen the Big 12 do for a couple years now, it's not going to be this north versus south, and if you finish higher in your division but lower in the, the overall conference standings, you get to play for a conference title. It's going to be, okay, we're taking the best two teams, rematch or otherwise, and we're going to have you play for the conference title. Truthfully, Nick, I'm a fan of this. I just like the fact that you get the best teams playing at the end of the year, even if it is a rematch. Because at that point, I mean, a college football playoff berth is likely on the line. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to help the ACC overall in terms of playing for a conference championship. Because, like, think about this. If we'd had Florida State and Clemson play this year, I forget exactly how they finished, if that would have shaken out accordingly. But if we get Clemson and Florida State as a rematch in the ACC title game, you know, are we talking about them differently if it comes to an expanded playoff? Does that catapult some team in the future into that conversation? So I think it's smart. I think it's going to help the expanded playoff, and I think ultimately it's just a good move for the ACC in the spirit of competition. So I'm a fan of that, though. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of that. I like our, our viewers asking questions like that. That's a very uh, Absolutely. very aware question there. It is. And whenever your conferences are like, you look at the Big Ten and how misproportionate the talent is in, in the Big Ten. Oh, it's crazy. Um uh, yeah, but hey, yeah, no conference does it better than your Ivy League regular season. <laughs> the best team wins. Done by Thanksgiving, man. That yep, was always the sweetest it. part. Oh, that yeah. was, that home, was by, home by Thanksgiving dinner. Done by Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And summer break. What else, man? There was there was a lot of perks in that conference, man. No bye week is one downside, though. No bye week for yeah, the Ivy League, true. but it is what it is. Uh, last question at just TJ again. Uh, the best profile picture in all of uh, the Hard Count Nation. Um, Kang the conqueror from Marvel in some Texas gear with a tear in his eye. Who's your sleeper team for the big 12 uh, TJ's like, please say Texas, but I'm not sure that's a sleeper. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are both, I'm sure going to be favored or, or in the upper tier in terms of teams that compete for a big 12 title. Kansas state won the thing last year. I don't know if you consider them a sleeper. Maybe there's some homerism going on here as I was there for like half a semester at Baylor, but I think Baylor deserves a lot of consideration. I mean, what? Uh, here's what I would say. I would not count out Dave Aranda. I'll just leave it. I, I would not count out what Dave Aranda is able to do. They had a really tough season his first year there. It was the COVID year. They won like two or three games. The next year, they're playing for a conference title, win the, win the Big 12, play for New Year's Six Bowl, win New Year's Six Bowl. So I would just say if I were to pick a sleeper, not necessarily a team that I think is going to win the whole conference, but Baylor is a team, if Blake Shapin at quarterback can take the next step and be a little more effective and they can get more of a run game behind him. Like there, There's a lot of pieces in-house at Baylor. So keep an eye on the Bears. Some good things could be going down in Waco. It's my, it's my two cents on that one, though, Nick. It's okay. my two cents there. Well, in the but, chat, uh, our friend um, Quay Watts either disagrees or doesn't agree. Says like sleeper it. dot 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 Baylor. I think I think they agree. I like it. I mean, Kay is is in there talking about Nick and JD. Can yeah. Kansas uh, yeah. repeat and build on their success? Uh, from 2022, Kansas. I mean, if you wanted to throw in a mega sleeper, that's a sleeper. If you want to talk 12. about like Absolutely. taking four melatonin before bed kind of sleeper, Kansas <laughs> might be one of those teams that got to set the alarm on a little bit. So Kansas, it, it would be a sleeper. I don't know if, if sleeper is even the right verbiage. Kansas would be a shocker, but did, I'm here for it. JD, did they, I'm here for I, it. I'm kind of having trouble remembering. Did they play TCU close? 
Baylor did. Yeah, Baylor, quite frankly, should have beat TCU. It was, uh, what was it? Oh, the Before field goal. Before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, fire drill, field goal. Like, okay. if they miss that field goal, if Baylor finishes the deal there in Waco, McLean Stadium, like, yeah. TCU doesn't even play against Georgia for the national yeah, title. That's they don't right. even make the playoff. We're talking about mm-hmm. something completely different right now. So, yeah. I don't know, man. There's something in the water in Waco, but we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, I forget that. They they should have won that game. Um, Very much should have. Nonetheless, I digress. Um, JD, I'll see you Tuesday, my my friend. Nick, Tuesday it is. Appreciate you holding it down. Nick Break again, keeper of the queue, doing everything you see here, everything you listen to here as well, if you're a fan of the podcast. Y'all appreciate you so much. I never know exactly how to end these things because I feel like I'm always left with a sense of, gratitude and appreciation for y'all spending some time with us man college football the greatest sport in the world extremely extremely grateful for the fact that we can talk about it here on a daily basis get to be live twice a week like i mean it's it's absolutely phenomenal so tons of joy there also if you'd like to talk about some other joy i have in my life feel free to hit me in my direct messages on instagram and on twitter at jd Pakel. subscribe to the channel if you have not already we're so glad to have you a part of this We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep the party rolling. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.